Before we proclaim together, let's spend some time in the presence of God with one another. Our most kind and gracious Lord, we pray that you will continue to show us your way. Everything that we do here together in this place, in our daily lives, everything we do, we pray that you will continue to show us your way. That you will give us eyes to see, that you will give us ears to hear, that you'll give us discernment and clarity. And we thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there are some central things in Scripture. It's not to suggest that you know, only some parts are important. I think they're all important in their own right, but there are certain passages that are absolutely central to shaping us as the people of God. When the people of God are being told, here is something that you need to hear as of first importance. God is with the people through prophets, through one another, however you want to imagine it. And it was probably even more than that. But the people heard what was something that they needed to hear that was of first importance. Here, O Israel, the people of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You fast forward through the centuries to the churches who were trying to live as the people of Jesus, and they too got one of these one passages of first importance. And essentially what it comes together, everything comes together in this one idea, we are all one in Christ Jesus. I said last week, if we had to start over, you know, like if we came in here for the very first time, we didn't know church, we didn't know Bible, we didn't know Jesus. We just started we just opened up and started reading. Where would we begin? All right? That's one approach. But there's another approach. And it's not just, well, let's just start everything over from scratch. It's the idea not let's start from the beginning, but knowing what we know now, knowing all of these things, is there a way to see it with fresh eyes? Because it's not realistic. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of this neat pipe dream. It's a neat act of imagination to say, let's just start everything over. We're not going to be able to start over. But if we can't start over, what could we do? And then it gets into more of, well, what if we see everything that we know through the eyes of children, through the eyes of beginners? Is that possible? So there's this... Japanese virtue that I'm a big fan of, and it's called Shoshin, and what they do with it is essentially translated beginner's mind. Can you approach something that you've known all your life with a beginner's mind? So I decide, you know, how we do sort of love and faithfulness here together as a church. We've done gratitude and all that. Well, I decided at the beginning of this year to try to cultivate this just in personal life. 
Can I approach all these different things that we learn and experience every day with a beginner's mind, with a beginner's appreciation, with a fascination of something that maybe I've seen a hundred times, but could I possibly see it with a beginner's mind? And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's downright hard, but it's worthwhile. So what if we translated this into our life as a church? Can we approach all of these things that we do with a beginner's mind? I'm just going to kind of leave that out there. So over the summer, I met with the Lifeline interns. Every summer I get to sit with them for an entire morning. And what we talk about is what they are doing, going into hospitals and doing visitation, but doing it not as a chaplain, but as a congregational minister. Because some of them are actually considering going into congregational ministry. So how can we take the things that they're learning and translate that into what we do day to day? And so what we talked about this summer was this, these, these kind of this threefold notion of doing it as a pastor, oops, fast forwarded too much, a pastor or a prophet, a pastor, and a priest. But then we thought, okay, what if we did this as an entire church? What if we were able to see these images in the work that we do as a church? So what would it mean for the prophet to uh, sort of inform everything that we do and everything that we are? Most of the time, whenever we think of prophets, we think of people who are questioning that which is not God questioning the status quo. And that's important. Sometimes, like we've been talking about in the world we live in right now, fear is, you know, what's normative. We come in here and we say, no, no, no. We are not people who live in constant fear because we are being shaped in the image and likeness of Christ. Well, that can be the work of the prophet, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. What if it goes beyond just, well, here's what it looks like in day-to-day life, and we're calling that into question. But what if the work of the prophet is also to speak from ancient places? What if these things that we read in Scripture actually inform who we are day-to-day in our lives? So as an example, Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times and their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grab for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in God we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. The work of the prophet. Where do we, as the body of Christ who meets in this place, also need to live together 
as a pastor, as someone who comforts and heals, who is present with one another in the name of Jesus. What is our role? Who are we to be as people who come together to comfort and heal and simply be present in the name of Jesus with one another? Our dwelling passage for this year, I think, is the central ideal for how we can actually carry this out as the people of God. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This little passage, these three little verses deep in Scripture, show us what the world is supposed to look like, who we are supposed to be, and this is, and we've talked about this before, this is the world imagined in Scripture. This is the way it is supposed to be. So I want you to imagine this world because we're almost there and we actually practice it sometimes in this place, but we're not there yet. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. We hear that and we go, oh, okay. I like the sound of that. Then there is neither Indian nor Pakistani. Now to us, we may hear that and go, okay. But if you know the history of India separating Pakistan off in this massive divide, to go into India or to go into Pakistan and say something like that is downright revolutionary. It is to say that for the people of God who meet in places like this, those kinds of divides don't happen. And that's why this world is so important and it's why it is our pastoral responsibility to comfort one another with these kinds of words even as they challenge the status quo, thus the prophetic work of the church. This is who we are. This is us going to our own border and saying, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, there's not a guy who has ancestry from Ireland and the Isle of Man and whoever, who knows where else it comes from, nor is there El Salvadoran. Okay, that exists in our world. That is actually who we are, but in Christ Jesus, those divides don't happen anymore. Those divides don't exist, and they're certainly not important when we stand hand in hand in Christ. That's the prophetic work, but it's also the pastoral work. In Jesus, there's neither male nor female. And I love the original language of this. It could be translated, you know, if we were getting in the mood to really start saying, okay, translate this, there cannot be male and female. The language is that strong. There cannot be male and female, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. 
We say something like that in a place like this, and we all go, doesn't that sound wonderful? But you know what's coming tomorrow? Anybody have an idea? Anybody know what's coming tomorrow? Monday. <laughs> and you know what happens on Monday? There's male and female. Anywhere you go, there's going to be male and female. And some are going to be underpaid, and some are going to be overpaid, and some are going to be immediately dismissed just because he's a man, and some are going to be overlooked or belittled or seen only sexually just because she's a woman. And here, we're practicing this, and we're learning this, and we're saying, no, this is the truth, but... You know what's happening tomorrow? Monday. And we have to go back into that kind of world. And then where does this priestly calling fit into all this? This too is our work in this place as the body of Christ. It is to provide constant access to Jesus as those who are welcomed by Jesus. It is the image out of Scripture and the history of those who follow Jesus who have learned how to say and learn how to practice, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Because every single one of us in this place, before we ever welcome someone in the name of Jesus, was first welcomed by Jesus. You with me on that? You know what I'm saying? Not a single one of us is able to welcome someone into Christ before we ourselves are welcomed by Jesus Himself. We welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. That's the priestly work of the church the one who lives and works among us to create what we cannot make for ourselves. In doing the priestly work of our own great high priest Jesus, we are doing the work that we could not ever do or come up with by ourselves. And very favorite passage to illustrate this, at least this has been my favorite passage for the last three weeks, is Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only one God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now, did you hear that one line? to make you stand without blemish in the presence of His glory with rejoicing. It's like the most beautiful collection of prepositional phrases that's ever existed in the history of Scripture. To make you stand without blemish in the presence of His glory with rejoicing. Who here is actually able to carry that out? You know, the answer is, right? Nobody. Not a single one of us could actually do that. Okay, so my job as 
pastor, prophet, priest, all of that is, you know, I'm just going to take you, Tim, and we're going to go before God, and I'm going to say, okay, God, here is Tim without blemish. Nope. Not a single one of us is able to do that. But, and here is the good news of what we do as the people of God and the church together who lives as priests, as this priesthood of all believers, to use another image of Scripture. We, as the body, in doing this kind of work, are able to take any one of us in here, and we so surround one another with the presence of Christ that we do the work of Jesus and say, here is God and here are your people. We together can do this kind of work, not as individuals, but together as the people of God, we provide access to God anyone who comes in here because of the kind of access that we ourselves have received from God. And it doesn't matter who it is. Any person gathered here with us this morning who says, I want to know Christ, it's our priestly role to say, you got it. You have access to Jesus because of what we are doing here, because of who Jesus has made us. And then there's the person who says, well, I'm thinking I might want access to Jesus, but I'm not sure. Is our role any different? Nope. We provide access to God. And then there's the person who walks in and says, I don't know. You have access to God. And then there's a person sitting in here who says, I don't want access to God. That doesn't mean you don't have access to God. Because this is the priestly role that we carry out in this place. Our calling as the assembly of those who follow Jesus is to carry out and live these kinds of things. To actually live them out. And we're called to do so, not as experts, but as little children. You ever notice that? In the preaching of Jesus, Jesus at no point ever says, what I need you to become is you need to become like experts. He says, no, you need to become like little children. See, I think, and this is just a theory, but I think whenever Jesus is kind of bantering back and forth with the Pharisees and he says, your righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees. He's not calling us to expertise. He's calling us to beginner's mind. He's calling us to innocence. He's calling us to go back as little children and say, here is the work of God among us. Do you want it? And you know what the kid says? Yeah. That sounds good. Do you want to um, go out tonight? And the little kid says, yeah, I don't know where we're going. You know, I remember seeing a video one time of a, of a kid being told, we're going to Disneyland today. And the kid in the back seat, you know, they're this YouTubing, the kid in the back seat just goes berserk, yay! And then finally, whenever she calms down, she looks at her mom and says, what's Disneyland? 
just this openness to, I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm all in. Let's go. It's those who are only beginning to hear and live by even the words that we sing. It's what the Lord has done in me. Let us always remember that the welcome we provide in this outpost of the body of Christ is only because we welcome as we continue to receive from Jesus. It's not ours to offer. We are the prophets and the pastors and the priests of the one we serve, the one true and living Lord to whom we simply spend our entire lives. And I figured that since this sermon had an introduction and three points, that it needed to end with a poem. So, this is from the Corrymeela community in Northern Ireland. Jesus of the way, when your friends argued about power and prestige, you stood someone unnoticed by them, all among them, and spoke of welcome. May we who are powerful look beyond our power, May we who are unnoticed be noticed. May we find the welcome that waits for us and in so doing welcome you who welcomes us. Amen. So the intro, the three points, the poem, and now the conclusion the conclusion that we may hear with a beginner's mind that goes like this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen.